Relationships The way in which two or more concepts, objects, or people are connected, or the state of being connected by blood or marriage. This week, we're airing part two of our conversation with Clinton Carroll on how to survive marriage. We're talking finances, sex, and singleness. This is the best part of this conversation. We're excited to bring it to you. Now let's get right to it. This is The Reckless Pursuit, a podcast crafted and created to dive deep into what it looks like to be a follower of Christ in a modern-day world. We span topics across the board to seek out truth and to gain a deeper understanding of one another, to find common ground and answers to life's hardest questions. We all have a story and a struggle, a calling and a conviction. Together, let's take a hard look at ourselves and effort to view what others see so we can be the best reflection of Christ possible. I'm Cody. And I'm Elaine. Now, let's get reckless. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 8 of The Reckless Pursuit. This week we have part 2 of How to Survive Marriage with Clinton Carroll Moore. We're talking about finances, we're talking about sex, and we're even diving a little bit into singleness. We're really, really excited to be able to air this part of the conversation. It was my personal favorite half of the conversation. And so just a a quick FYI, this is a part two. If you haven't went back and listened to part one, which aired last week, you may want to do that now because you may get a little lost if you don't. But real quick, before we dive into it, we want to give a shout out to today's episode sponsor, Cedar Temple Trade Company. They have a promo code for you at the end of the episode or in the show notes below. So be sure and go and check that out and uh, hop over to their website and give them a look. But here we go. Let's get right into this. How to Survive Marriage Part 2 with Clinton Carroll. It's coming at you. What does prayer look like as a married unit? That's going to look different for everybody. And it's something, you know, unless you're already doing that as a couple which should be happening as the couple should already be praying together so that it just continues into your your relationship and marriage and family just not being shy to pray when needed family prayer time around the table i think that's always important and making sure the kids know that they can come to you with any prayers and that there's a relationship with god that you have that that you're representing to them that they can have as well, that they can go to God in prayer as well. When you say that's mm-hmm. kind of what prayer and marriage is, mm-hmm. is it's it needs to start ahead of time that you pray as a couple. Yeah. Um, that way, well, since we're talking about before you get married a little bit, I can go, yeah, go for get it. back into some pre-married it. stuff. Yep. Is a lot of this stuff what we're talking about is if you had a better start of marriage, you wouldn't have such you know, issues in marriage. Going through a hard time in our marriage, I was asking God, well, you know, because it was, it looked like it could be over. So I asked God, what, what does it look like? You know, what, what, what would your perfect will look like? And he took me back to where at 14, where I said, you know, no to him and what, what my life would look like different if I'd said yes to him then, because I met Carol when I was 18 and we didn't get married until I was 25. So there was time that I met her, and then get, and then we didn't, we didn't even stay real close friends, other than just knowing each other, um, and dated about six months before we got married and got married. Uh, a lot of the marriage would have still happened, but the process to get us there would have been different, right? Because I, I, not saying yes to him at fourteen, I lived a very worldly life until I was nineteen, and then I got saved. But I never got involved in church or read my Bible or anything. So pretty much from 19 to about 22, my world got even worse as a saved person. 
um, where I did more things that was ungodly. Right. Finally rededicated my life and got right myself right and started pursuing God. And in doing so, had to give up world ways, which yeah. would be sex, drugs, and rock and roll, a lot of that kind of yeah. stuff. Um, so then knowing what the Bible says about, you know, people who struggle with that, you must, you know, you should be married. So I, I then started seeking to be married. But you should always find a best friend because more than likely that's who you're probably supposed to marry is is let your relationship develop the proper way where yeah. you become acquaintances and then you if there's someone you want you like to be around you get around them a little more and become friends to becoming best friends and if that's still happening for y'all you can get engaged and get married yeah um leave leave all the married stuff for the married people that means leave sex out and all the stuff that proceeds up to that, anything leading up to that, you, you got to leave that out because it's going to, it's going to hinder all you're going to about get, it's going to hinder, you knowing the real person. Right. Yeah. I know for us, I think one of the big things was it was hard enough. I had a struggle with pornography when I was growing up and it was hard enough coming in with like those not expectations, but those ideals that were like, I guess I secondhand picked up, you know? And of course I gave all that up, you know, we were dating and all that and that was all kind of put down. So I wasn't involved in that anymore, but coming into marriage, I know um, it's easy to pull past things into your marriage and to pull those past ideologies into your marriage and expectations. Uh, going back to what you were saying, Carol, is pulling those, those false realities back into your marriage and you know, not no condemnation for anyone who has messed up because it was very difficult, but Elaine and I were able to, you know, save ourselves from marriage. And that was one of the things just we're stubborn like that, you know. Uh, I have a lot of friends who either by bad choice or otherwise have chose not to do that, and I'm not condemning them. I don't think that they're like, you know, eternally damned or anything like that. Like, I think that God can work through that, and when they get married, like, you know, or some of them, a lot of them are married now, and and they're able to work through those things, but it's just that much extra baggage. Baggage, yeah. you know. There's a big. It's a. It's a hurdle to have to overcome. Well, um, Carol and I can amen to the baggage it brings amen. because again, fourteen to nineteen didn't do too well on that, and nineteen to twenty-two I didn't do too well on that. So I brought a lot of it in myself, and it's just a process of unlearning a lot of things. And you know that with the addiction you had to that, it's just yeah. a process of unlearning of taught behavior that you either taught yourself or somebody taught you, yeah. you know, you caught from somebody else. So since we're on this topic. So yeah, it moves on. Into yeah. Let's, let's go ahead and talk about uh, sex and um, the, for one, the role it has in marriage and what to do, I guess, leading up to marriage about that. Elaine, you want to open this one up? Like us personally? Sure. Well, nobody talk, told us anything about it and we ended up in the hospital. On yeah. our, after our honeymoon. <laughs> yep. Because nobody told us that you had to pee after and how to clean yourself. <laughs> yep. Pretty much. And so now we have doctor bills. Yeah, we went into our marriage and after our honeymoon, um, Elaine ended up in the hospital with a... Kidney infection? Almost. Um, it almost was in her bloodstream. Mm -hmm. They were really worried it was in her bloodstream. But she had a kidney infection that didn't go away for three months about mm -hmm. you fought on and off for well i guess it was closer to four or five months wasn't it yeah because like I, I was on antibiotics for about three months and i was on different antibiotics 
and had after 10 rounds they realized that it wasn't working yeah she took 10 rounds of antibiotics um 10 rounds of antibiotics which was a pill form she was hospitalized and on uh what is intravenously is that when they Mm -hmm. just uh, i guess an iv and had iv antibiotics for three days straight when she was hospitalized but you ended up back in the hospital again at the er with another round of uh iv antibiotics and so it was more like 12 rounds of antibiotics mm-hmm. and I was on like three different kinds. Yeah, and the round the main one you were taking regularly stabilized it, didn't get rid of it. Yeah, and it's the same dosage you take if you have anthrax. That's Ooh. how serious that she was fighting this. So, she knows what it's like to have anthrax in that sense of the pill dosage because she had to take the same dosage and frequency that you take for anthrax. So, and then I took two different ones after that because they realized that it wasn't doing anything. Yeah, you ended up on one of the newest antibiotics. I don't know, it cost us like $200 yeah. for that stinking bottle of antibiotics. Yeah. So because there's not a generic kind. Yeah, so we ended up with like three grand in doctor bills all because like... <laughs> we, nobody, nobody told well, we didn't know to ask. Sex. You know, I mean, I'm <laughs> not pinning on it. Yeah. We just had no idea to ask. And, and I have... I agree, but I mean, no one told me that either. It's like mm. one of those things maybe you just don't always think about I yeah. don't, to tell... Someone newly married, and some people probably don't even deal with that problem. Um, mm-hmm. I have too, um, and I didn't know why either, but that's exactly mm-hmm. what the talk- doctor told me. <laughs> that's was the big. same thing. So, ladies, yeah, go to the restroom afterwards. The honeymoon. <laughs> honeymooner syndrome. Yeah, honeymooner syndrome. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's because the world's way is sex before marriage, mm-hmm. yeah. and with that being happening, you learn to do that quite early mm-hmm. in life. Yeah, ways to do the etiquette of sex. Yeah, well, we actually had that conversation because we felt like, um, in a sense, like we're taught, and don't get us wrong, like we're very happy we waited until we were married, but in a sense, we're like, man, everyone else had a, a, a head start on this because we had no idea, and like we feel so dumb and naive to this, and everyone else is like, oh yeah, you didn't know that? And we're like, no, you know, <laughs> exactly. we didn't How know that. Know yeah. this. Uh, and uh, it's it's weird because like, you know, you look at the world's way of doing things and they have like this natural head start, you feel like, to marriage. And I guess maybe that's part of the beauty is, you know, we had to refrain from sex for over a month, you know, right when we were first getting married. And <laughs> I, I talked to people when they're first getting married and like, I'm like, oh, so what do y'all have planned on your honeymoon? And I think that is one thing someone said mm-hmm. is make sure you actually have stuff planned on your honeymoon because mm-hmm. it's not going to be what you, you think told it is. <laughs> I told I told my friend that, mm-hmm. but. Someone else told us that. Our friends were the one that told yeah. us. Um, not trying to name drop, but yeah. uh, and they're like, just make sure you have something else to do because it's not just going to be you in your hotel room the whole time. Uh, and they were so right, like yeah. you know, that's just that's yeah. such a little. It's an important part of marriage, but it's a little part of marriage, mm-hmm. you know. And so, what is in in both of your opinion, what part does sex play in a marriage other than reproduction? <laughs> Here's what, in my thoughts, for him, for him, it's, it's, and for men, in my, in my thoughts, y'all can tell me if I'm wrong, but it's more of a physical thing that you need. But for me, it's, it's been an emotional thing, which mm-hmm. sometimes I think maybe it just shouldn't be. If I could just less emotions in that and just let that be a physical thing, my things would probably be better. <laughs> but mine would go all the way back to trying to start it different than the way I did, yeah. you know, where it's outside of marriage and, and, you know, learning through the school system and chasing women like all the other guys. That would change a lot of things in marriage because you would learn it right. You guys probably did it, you know, you, and still exploring, you know, the marriage bed. 
Um, and I think that's that's a great way to get started is where it's fresh on both sides and you're both exploring one another. The Bible just says give give of yourself and, and you know, in that time that you spend with one another, uh, satisfying one another, which just like in communication and, and all the rest of it is finding out your mate's needs. But to me, what's great about that is if you can wait until you meet one another in a marriage relationship and you get married, going through the process of dating to being best friends, to being uh, romantic partners, you, you can explore that on your own. And that, that's going to be whatever you make it. And it's going to be wonderful. Uh, and if you do it wrong, guess what? You're going to have to get rid of a lot of baggage right. throughout the process to try to find that right, what sex is supposed to look like you know, for you guys. I know uh, one thing that is common in youth and things, uh, you know, just like referring back to my youth days is everyone, like the way sex was taught is it's like you have true love weights and it's like it teaches you like some biblical standards and it basically scares you into abstinence because it shows you pictures of people who have like these like terrible STDs and stuff like that. And so you're pretty much, I mean, that's the way it's taught. And I've taught true love weights classes too, uh, the way we did it was a little different. Were y'all were y'all part of the True Love Weights class mm-hmm. we did? Okay, that was uh, I think right before y'all right came. Before. Yeah, um, and we pretty much did it. Tried to do it more open forum where uh, we brought in like people who waited till marriage because I wasn't married at the time. You know, I was a single guy and I was up there just as a single guy. And then we brought in a couple who didn't wait till marriage. You know, and like I just let the kids ask questions and so we try to do it a little different because like my experience with true love weights classes my true love weights ring is actually hanging right there on that little vial of my little pin holder but the way it was taught to us uh it was pretty much you know they showed you the bad things of it and they basically said like here's the bible's reason and wait and uh but then when they say it's the greatest thing when you're married right and that's that's all you want to do that's the best thing in the world yeah and that's like the church's perspective it's like wait until you're married but sex is the greatest thing you'll ever experience in your life once you're married. But only if you're married. And, and so, like, they hype it. I, sometimes I feel like we do a bad job as the church because we hype up sex so much. And she and I both, like, like I said, we waited for each other. You know, we've made our mistakes in the past. Like, I'm not saying that we were 100% innocent walking into anything. But when we came in, that was something that was still unique to both of us. And we were, like, you know, proud of that. But I think after the first few times of like, you know, exploring that and even still, like, that's not marriage. You know, there's so much more to marriage. Like, if you go into marriage thinking that's like the end all be all, like, I feel like we rush Christians into marriage. We push them in real quickly because, you know, you have two alternating views. You have the worldview of like, just go have sex and get it over with. And you have like, you know, abstain, abstain, abstain because the world is teaching sex sells and then the churches are teaching that sex is like this uncharted sea that the the young person gets to depart into once they're married and both sides are really pushing the same agenda and it's wrong and it's wrong for the church to do so because uh singleness is just as much part of the church body as married couples yeah that's good um and Paul, if you'd read back where we were reading in Corinthians, I believe he was telling ahead of what we were talking about in marriage of, you know, he says if you're single when you got, you know, when you come to the Lord, then stay that way. And if you were married, then stay that way. 
but whichever one you know do do the best at being whichever but he also tells you how how much easier it is to serve god as a single person than a married person because yeah. it, it is true you take on responsibilities that you didn't have um amen <laughs> and that, I mean, it's true and then it's the whole the point of um the church does does put it this way where the world says you know go have sex and the church says well if you can't not have sex then you need to be married and that's what the bible right. says right there yeah where paul was talking as well so it's it's don't do it the world's way because it's going to cause marital problems and uh not as big a part of marriage as what the church makes it out to be yeah. it is it is a wonderful thing that god placed in marriage for re reproducing um but it's not it's not the cure-all of whatever right. it is yeah i think the whole um getting a big fat uh, fight have makeup sex thing is kind of like a that's a made for tv bit you know yeah, <laughs> like <laughs> um i'm just like no get away from me no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, no. yeah i think um i think that's it like i i completely agree i think if we would just as as christians take time to say hey uh, sex is a beautiful thing. It fulfills a physical desire that God put in you. It fulfills an emotional desire, especially, um, you know, sometimes men may have to learn that a little more, and I'm sure that role is reversed somewhere out there too. Like mm -hmm. I think, you know, it, it fulfills an emotional desire of intimacy and closeness. There's a uniqueness in that. Mm -hmm. But it's not the greatest feeling that I've ever had with my Like my most fond memory of marriage is not in our bed, yeah. you know, like it, it, it's just, it's not like the most fond memories of I have of our marriage is like the things we've experienced together. And, and even some of the hard things we've went through where it's drawn us closer together to pray together and really learn who each other were. I was going to say, like, I feel like our prayer life got stronger in marriage yeah. and through all those things, bad things, health things that we had. Yeah. And so like some of my fondest memories are that, you know, but I just, I don't think most people's fondest memories are like the day they lost their virginity. And I guess if anyone's out there listening uh, and are thinking to themselves, like, I really can't wait to get married so I can have sex. There's a lot more to life than having sex. Mm -hmm. And let's, I'm going to be really blunt and honest here. And this is going to be a little awkward and that's okay. Sometimes just being honest you can satisfy yourself a whole lot more than someone else can. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? You have to learn each other. Mm -hmm. You know? I'm not advocating that, but I'm saying, like, if you think that it's some kind of greatly different thing that you're walking, you're going to be let down. Mm. You're going to be let down because all those emotions and things, and you just, like, hype yourself up, like, well, I just can't wait to have this. Mm. It's, it's not what you're thinking it is. You know, it's work, for one. <laughs> It's a lot of work. It's awkward as I'll get out. It's uncomfortable. You know, it can hurt at times. It can be, you know, sometimes you look and like, well, did it, did it happen for No, I'm sorry. Well, what do we need to change? Like, it's, it's awkward, you know. I hear, <laughs> I hear people saying like, oh, like we're in our, our you know, I'm throwing you on to the bus. You don't have to say anything. But people are like, we're in our 20th year of marriage and we're having the best sex ever. And all these young people are like, there's no way. I'm like, I bet they are. They actually know what the crap they're doing. <laughs> it's yeah. a process. It's definitely gotten. <laughs> it's a process like everything else. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. so yeah. sex is, is important to marriage. It's biblical. Mm -hmm. 
but it is not the reason to get married. I mean, okay, so if you have a burning, lustful desire, it says to go out and and to seek a, a wife, but that is not the reason you get married. No. You know, if that is your your mental state is if I get married, then all of these like the flesh desire side of me is going to be fulfilled. It's it's not always going to be that. Happen. Because like in our circumstance, we were just married and we had to wait over a month, you know, mm-hmm. of of complete abstinence, one hundred percent. And that and that it, and I say that it wasn't just a month when we first got married. It was a month. And then we'd be okay for like a week, and then we'd have to mm-hmm. wait two more weeks because anytime she was on antibiotics, we weren't able to. And you think twelve rounds of antibiotics over the course of the first six months of our marriage, you know, there was more times than not. You know, we were basically living together, but that side of things was completely, mm-hmm. completely shut off for us. Mm-hmm. But our marriage grew stronger in that. And if sex was the reason that your marriage grew stronger, then then we, our marriage would have failed. Right. I guess. Well, early on when we were first married, um, I relied solely on my emotional needs for during sex because at that time we weren't very strong in our relationship. And so I needed emotional um, yeah. support and that was the only way I could get it. So for me, it was completely emotional. Mm-hmm. Now it's just kind of a wonderful, we're very free now. Mm-hmm. And um, all those sex changes kind of throughout the years. Definitely different things come into play and bodies change and it just gets different. So let's talk about finances. They are one of the leading causes of arguments in marriage. So how should married couples handle money issues? Finances, you're going to have to figure that out on your own. There's no one way to doing that. There's no men should have the, make the most money and control the money. Um, whoever's best with the the budget should be the one that keeps up with That's what's true. in there. Mm-hmm. That's how whoever's best with the numbers. I'm not good at with budget, so Clint does all of our budgeting. Mm-hmm. I don't pay anything, do anything with it. <laughs> yeah, I think I love our, it. I love it that way. On our end, because I mean, you know our dynamic, we work together, and so like a lot of the numbers and stuff. Like I think I kind of keep tabs of them in like a lot of ways, but she's like pokes her head over and like, Hey, like, can you show me what's going on? And I'm like, yeah. Cause like to have that openness or whatever, because I've seen some relationships really struggle where that openness didn't exist. And like Mm -hmm. one side didn't know what the, what was actually Mm -hmm. going on. And it was kind of like, like secret bank accounts and stuff like that. And like kind of able to like hold that over their head of like, well, I do this and I do this. And so that was one thing I always want to make sure is she always knew that I was completely transparent with the finances because I was an only child. And so like, spending was easy for me you know like um i had i've worked since i was 13 and so uh i've always had like extra money and so just to go out and buy whatever was on my heart like i had to be really careful because now like we're super particular with money because we have but you're you know, like i really want this instrument though <laughs> yeah i know <laughs> he still has his thing yeah. and i'm just like man maybe for your birthday maybe for christmas i know i have to, <laughs> I have to be patient now but i used to be the person like I wanted a thing, I'd go out and buy it. And if I didn't have enough money in like a week, I would, you know? And I just had to be able to go out and buy it. And then getting married, it was, had to rein all that in. It's like, no, I have to consult my wife before I go off and spend $300 on a video game system or $400 on a guitar. Like, we have to make sure we can, you know, pay our insurance premiums and stuff like that. Um, Real life. So I guess maybe, like, why do you think people get in fights over finances? 
Because there's real pressure behind it. That's why. Yeah, no joke. Pressure, yeah, there's no joke with financial pressure. The biggest thing is communicate. Communication and in, in what you have, what you're making, what's going out. Nobody's hiding anything, and there's not my money and your money because mm-hmm. it's all family money. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's good. If I'm in a place where I am not able to work and she was the sole breadwinner of the house, that's not a insult to me and my manliness you know that's that's still you know that goes back to the whole not always 50 50 thing you know like there may be times where she may be the one making the money that's okay that doesn't make me less of a man at the same time if i'm the one bringing in the money that doesn't make me the lord over the finances you know and it's always it's collective it's a collective unit yeah that's we've done it every which way and right now we're in a, a new unique situation where I stay home. I don't even work. I don't bring in any income. That's a recent thing, right? Yeah, that's that's really recent since March and um since March of last year. So I have to really be you know, I have to really think about what I should and shouldn't spend money on. Um and just to ease the load on him because I know all the pressure, all of the pressure for our finances comes back on him. So just because I may want to go, you know, buy something new for myself, I have to really, you know, think about our whole family as a whole and the pressure it may put on him. So something like that I've seen issue with, since you are a working mom, being that you stay at home yeah, and you homeschool, homeschool, like you do work, yeah. uh, do you ever face any of like those mental struggles of like, maybe I'm not like, do you ever think, like, is that something you deal with? Like, oh, I'm not doing my part or anything like this. Is that something you fight? Yeah, a lot, a lot of times. Because I still have my foot in the door at my previous job. Right. Um, which I've been very thankful that they've allowed me to basically work if I want to work. Mm-hmm. Um, or if they ask, they may need help, and I'll say yes or no. If I, yeah. I mean, it's very, <laughs> very open door. Um and so, so a lot of times I will ask, so, Hey, I can work a couple of days and I can make this much money and we could do this with that. And, and he's, you know, he's still right now at that. He doesn't want me to have to work. Right. Um, but I do have that opportunity, um, to help, but I do have that need. Like you said that I'm like, Oh, if I could just work, you know, just one day or two days, we could just pay this bill off and he wouldn't have to worry about it at all. You know? Yeah. Um, so I do, and I do feel a lot of times that, and I told him this recently that I don't feel like I'm contributing anything other than just staying at home. I feel like I'm not being very productive, um, when I could be making money, (laughs) but I have to remember that I'm doing the more important thing. And that is, you know, raising my kids at home and, and homeschooling. Clint, what would be like the affirmation? Like what would be an affirmation you could give to Carol in those situations where she feels like, I think. I don't know, like, we work together, but I think sometimes you even feel that in a weird way mm-hmm. because, like, I'm the kind of person that just kind of does whatever I do, you know? Well, that's why, like, a lot of times I ask you to explain it to me so I know, like, what you're doing if I have to do it. Yeah. Or, like, a lot of times, like, when we're having to deal with different people, like, with the ballpark and, fi- like, talking to people where we get our products and supplies and stuff, and so, like, Sometimes I'm like, well, I want to have their number too. Like, I want to message them too. Right. Because my my first instinct is just to do it, you know? Like, it's back to that only child syndrome. Like, I didn't, 
I'm not a very good team player. I never played team sports when I was growing <laughs> up, you know. I did taekwondo. And that was like, you know, how many people can you knock down out of your way as you go, pretty much, you know. And and uh, I've pretty much always been fly solo. And so that was a big part of marriage is learning, like, I have to incorporate her and I have to bring her, you know, up with me to whatever I'm doing. And I can't just leave her back in the dust. Um because there's like a lot of little things that I just kind of learned to do. Like I may be at home learning how to do this part of the business. And then I'm like, Hey, by the way, did I tell you that we're doing this? And she's like, no, how do I do that? And I'm like, okay, wait, I need to bring her up to speed on this, you know, especially with her being in school full time. Up until this semester though, cause you've been kind of taking me to class though. And like yeah. we have lunch together. And so like we talk about what we did, but last Last semester, when I went to school every single day, like, I would come I would just home. just home, doing yeah. my thing, and yeah. you had no idea what was going on. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, what are some affirmations? How do you, I guess, like, help in that situation, like, affirm that? Well, um, just back to what we've done in marriage. We've done it every which way. Uh, newlyweds, first baby, she stayed home. I was working. Shortly into that, I stayed home, and she was working. Surely, you know, and it just we just tried out everything we could try out in the way we thought it should be. The biggest key in all of that is being led by God and what you're yeah. to do. Just like we're to be led in, by God in our finances daily. You know, He provides for us. He, He, all of it's His. Allow Him to direct where where we, you know, give and do. Uh, but with that, it's it's real life. We all have bills. We all have to work and pay bills and stuff like that. Biggest key with that will be is don't never let your debt, you know, surpass what you're bringing home. And you'll be able to be free and do whatever you want to do. Yeah. Uh, and this her being home is just an ex another step of us being free to do what we want to do. Yeah. Uh, this is a dream that she's always had to want to stay home with the kids and homeschool. Uh, somewhere in there we lost sight of it and started both working. Uh, and our lives didn't get any better. Our finances didn't get any better. We didn't make... Uh, you know, live in better houses, have any better cars. We It's the same as what we're doing now. It's just a matter of, of adjusting ourselves and, and following God's will with our finances and her living her dream of where we're at right now with our finances. And I have to sometimes remind her that this is her dream because she does want to go back to work yeah. and help me pay bills. And trusting God sometimes, he's got you out there doing it before it, before it looks like it's possible. Uh, and sometimes money is tight. Therefore, Carol wants to go and say, hey, I can work a week. I can work a couple of days. Um, and she's welcome to do that if she wants to. But I know for us to continue to trust God and let God have it, we got to back off and say, hey, we're just going to do it like he said do it. Yeah. And uh, and I have to remind, that's what I say. I have to remind her every day that, hey, you're living your dream because you know what? I'd love to be able to get up every day and say, hey, I just want to do this today or that today or this today. And I do have to go to a job every day, you know, Monday through Friday to pay the bills. Right. That's, that's, I think most of it is just to remind her that she is living her dream and that, that I, God don't need us to help. Yeah. You know. So to sum up this conversation, I think it'd be good to like a good three golden rules of maybe like going into marriage would, I think, um, Number one would probably be prayer and just, you know, taking that time to spiritually, like, uplift your partner. I think the second one would probably be prioritization, which is, you know, you keep God first and you keep your spouse second and, and your family uh, 
third and everything else is going to fall into place. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe the last one is communication because that's the big one we've been coming back yeah. to is is always taking the time to communicate. When they all intersect. Yeah, they do. With that, um, I know we've been talking for a good long while here. <laughs> Clint, Carol, thank you guys so thank much you. for coming on and driving out here and taking the time to sit down with us in front of microphones. And <laughs> Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. We really appreciate it. We just want to give Clint and Carol one more big thank you for taking the time to drive up here and and sit in studio and talk for a couple hours on marriage and just impart their wisdom. So thank you guys so much for that. Listener, if you haven't taken the time to subscribe, please do so if you enjoy what you hear. It keeps you in contact with all of our new episodes and it helps us out a ton. So just click that subscribe button if you don't mind. And as always, you can find us on Twitter at underscore TRP podcast. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash the reckless pursuit podcast or drop us an email at mail at the reckless pursuit. You can even join a Facebook community where there's conversations going on. Uh, You can find the details below in the show notes. And as always, be brave, be bold and be reckless. We'll talk soon. This week's episode is brought to you by Cedar Temple Trade Company. Cedar Temple is an apparel and home goods line on a mission to bring curiosity back to the Word of Christ with fresh, modern designs. They desire to not just spread the Word, but to look good doing it. Their shirts are some of the most comfortable tees you could wear, and they're constantly adding new products and designs to the mix. Oh, and did I mention that Cedar Temple is actually Elaine's and my very own brand? Yeah, that's right. When you order from Cedar Temple... You're helping Elaine and I do what we love and continue in our very own reckless pursuit. Because we are so thankful for all of you who take the time to listen to our show, Cedar Temple is offering a 20% discount on any single item you purchase. Head over to cedartemple.com and use offer code TRPPODCAST in all caps at checkout. That's T-R-P-P-O-D-C-A-S-T, all caps, at cedartemple.com. Now, go inspire. What are the three, the top three, like, big causes of religion or, like, differences in belief, which is politics and religion, finances and sex? I think are the three main things in marriages.